Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer, WEEU back in Pennsylvania and the Golf News Network. I'm JT. This is where we talk to the uh, true characters and interesting folks in the world of golf. So we'd like to thank the folks over at Painted Hills Natural Beef for supporting this show. That's beef that uh, nature truly intended, Painted Hills Natural Beef. And also the folks down at Ben Hogan Golf, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. You can check them out online at BenHoganGolf.com. Well, he's back. That's what I can say. He's back. Our friend of the show, Charlie Reimer. Charlie's been a busy summer for him, and we're going to find out all about that. And we're going to find out what else he's got going on and uh, his opinion on a few new things in the world of golf. Charlie, welcome back, bud. Hey, JT, appreciate you having me on. You're going to talk to me about my new grill, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I really want to talk about my new grill because I got a new grill. Did I tell you that? It's a brand new grill. <laughs> no, no, you hadn't told me that before. But I'm. Ex- oh, my goodness. Well, I can't believe I hadn't told you about my new grill. Well, well tell us. Yeah, you got me. You got me curious, man. Tell me. Okay, okay, okay. So I've got a big green egg. Right. It's vintage. It's almost 25 years old. I had a little part break in it. I went to the local hardware store. I don't know if I can say it or not, but it was an Ace Hardware store. Sure. And I was I was seeing about uh, getting a new grill, and they're like, oh, we can take care of that lifetime warranty. So it was about $150 part for my big green egg, and I was really happy they <laughs> did that. So I got that set up, ready to go, refurbished. I've, I've spent half my time in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee now. So I've, I've got my big green egg up in Tennessee, and i got a really good buddy here in Myrtle Beach where I am right now and spend the other part of my time. And uh, he was wanting to get a grill, and I said, let's get, I said, let's get a, a really nice pellet grill, and we'll just split it. We'll be partners on it. And uh, so I, I'd always wanted to check out a, a Traeger. So we looked into it and we got, we got the Timberline 1300 And here. Let me go over this for you. So, so they got the pro series. I don't know if I can say this or not. I'm going to say anything you want. Series is, you can get that at Lowe's. Right. And, right. and, and so, so, you know, that's like for beginners. And then they've got a Timberline. It's their, you know, middle of the road. And, and, you know, that's a very nice unit. Right. And, right. but, but, but uh, we got, in fact, they got Ironwood. That's the middle of the road. We got the Timberline Series 1300, JT. And you know why we didn't get the 1400, the 1500, or the 1600? You know why? You didn't have room in the truck. They don't exist. The 1300 is <laughs> the biggest one they got. 24 pounds of pellets. 
that unit will hold. So the day the day one, we brought it in, and it hooks up to the not just the Bluetooth, but the Wi-Fi, which sure. is, the, the, I mean, that's the greatest invention that man has made since fire. And, and, and you put the probe in, so we got us a nice, it's not, it's not the kind that you sent me, Painted Hills, right? It's right. not that kind, but it was on sale, prime brisket at the Costco for four ninety nine a pound. We got it all, you know, slathered up in the mustard, put the probe in, we went to play golf. And we're grilling while we're playing golf. We're like on the six hole, you know. We're right. you know we're trying to cook it to you know one ninety five, and you know we're like one twelve, and we you know we could put it in super smoke smoke mode or take you know adjust the temperature. On. <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. Traeger <laughs> Timberline thirteen hundred. You can barbecue while you're playing golf, I, and and we just we love it. You got to name it when you sign it up. We called it Big Daddy. Um, <laughs> And you know, so we're yeah. having more fun. We got like little cups printed up. His name is Bob Rainham. He's a retired superintendent from uh, Atlantic Golf Club up on Long Island. And uh, the, the, our we got a little logo. It's R and R Barbecue, the best you'll ever have. And of course, our clients are us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're having more fun grilling, and you know, like going through recipes and. He, he never even turned a grill on. And, you know, the, the little apps, you know, you sure. can walk through step-by-step step and all. It's so much fun. I love grilling. I'd rather talk about grilling than anything. <laughs> well, you know, remember, I've had you on the barbecue. I've had you on the barbecue right, show, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that 1,300, you know, if they come up with a 1,400, we'll probably trade it in because we won't top of the line. That's the way we roll. <laughs> R&R barbecue, the best you ever had. What are you doing in Chattanooga? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been I've been doing some consulting for a few years for a new club up there called Macklemore, and uh, I had a family connection with with uh, some of the investors there, one of the investors there, and and uh, they wanted to talk to me about getting involved. And I'm originally from Cleveland, Tennessee. That's where I was born. My sure. family actually uh, lives in Cleveland, Tennessee, and and uh, uh, Macklemore has has done really well. We've got an existing golf course. It was a uh, uh, the designers are Reese Jones and Bill Bergen, and uh, uh, they'd had some plans to build a uh, really nice five-star hotel there and a nice membership and some good things happening. And and uh, just in the last few months, we started construction on uh, on a five-star, uh, it's a $190 million hotel that's going in, and that's just Whoa. crazy, 300 workers a day. And then Golf Digest put our golf course inside the top 100, which is uh, – you know, really big deal, you know, oh, yeah. 16,000 golf courses in the U S and about 9,000 are public access. So the list that we're on, you know, the top golf course on that list is Pebble beach. And, 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 uh, we're, we, we came in at 99, which is, which is really super cool. And, and, you know, cause you start doing the math on it, you know, if you're 99 out of 9,000, that's pretty good, pretty good place to be. And, and, uh, so they approached me and they said, "Hey, we we want to get you a little more involved." And so they they hired me. And so I, I spent about half my time there. And I'm not really doing any kind of ambassador type stuff, uh, but basically just uh, putting on my PGA of America cap, which I'm a proud member of, and, sure. and getting involved in some of the some of the operations and uh, some of the other things that we've got going on. And and uh, it's it's uh, great people. It's a it's absolutely beautiful property we've got a second golf course that we're going to get under construction uh fairly quickly and and uh, hopefully that 
the hotel and the, and the new golf course will be coming online the end of 23 and and uh uh it just uh, just a lot of fun it's got me close to family and then i'm still able to uh, keep the relationship i have with myrtle beach and and i uh, just sort of go back and forth as needed between the two and and uh, uh one actually sort of helps the other and vice versa so uh staying pretty busy but having a lot of fun and working with great people wherever i am and of course, you know, like I mentioned, I got my big green egg up there. I got my trigger down here at the beach. I'm covered. <laughs> I got it all figured out, JT. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I know you're tied in with with Myrtle Beach on your show pretty heavy, but are you going to be able sure. to, to film any of your Charlie Reimer show up at the up in uh, Chattanooga? Uh, that's something we might have a look at. Yeah. Um, the, the relationship I have with with Myrtle Beach is, is um, with playgolfmyrtlebeach.com, and we've got about uh, 78 golf courses that we represent. And uh, as of right now, we're, we're taping our show in Myrtle Beach. We always have some celebrities and some other things going on down here. But uh, who knows what we might end up doing with that show. We, we wrapped up now season one. We're starting to brainstorm season two and, and uh, not, not exactly sure – which direction that we're going to go with a few things. But uh, the great thing is we're not talking about um, if we're going to do it, we're talking about how we're going to do it. And, and so that, uh, um, that, that's, that's a big plus right there. And it's been, it really has been a lot of fun doing that show and, and um, also living here too. I mean, I, I, even though I was born in Tennessee, my family's from there. I grew up in South Carolina. So I, I sort of have the best of both worlds and always been, you know, a dream of mine to have a place at the beach and then have a place inland. And, you know, a lot of our residents here in Myrtle Beach are that way. And sure. And uh, so I've finally been able to uh, pull that off. And, and uh, you know, it, it's it, it's uh, uh, it's a lot of fun being able to go back and forth. It, it feels like I'm on vacation all the time. My wife and I were talking about the other day. It's like, now we're in Chattanooga because Chattanooga is really happening. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. Are we on vacation in Chattanooga or are we on vacation in Myrtle Beach? And <laughs> hell, we just decided we're on vacation all the time. There you so, go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Charlie, we gotta exactly. take we, we gotta take a break. We're gonna be back with our man Charlie Reimer, who's on the road again right after this. <laughs> everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Love is a burning thing. Welcome back here to Grilling at the Green. We're talking with Charlie Reimer today. Don't forget our good friends over at Langdon's Grill. It's winter time, and they've got the winter specials coming up on their menu on Friday night uh, at the grill there. And also, if you want to email us, it's really easy. You can just go info at grillingatthegreen.net. And, of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter and a million other things out there. And um, once in a while, we get some messages from you guys and ask questions like, you know, ask questions last time charlie was on the show somebody asked some questions about that some of them i can't say on the air 
but most of them are <laughs> most of them are pretty good. So we've had an interesting year. Let's jump back to golf for a minute, but I promise we'll get back to barbecue, Charlie. I promise. Uh, <laughs> you got it. When uh, interesting year in golf, of course, you know Tiger got hurt in in March and all that, and that was uh, not a good thing, of course. But he seems to be springing back a little bit. But we've had. Um, I don't know. It, it's been a good year in a lot of ways, but it's also been kind of weird. I mean, you know, we had the Ryder Cup and we had the Olympics and that's all great. And that's all great for television and all that. But then we have these other things that sneak in and like the announcement yesterday that, you know, they were going to cut the dr drivers back a couple inches or whatever it was. And and I don't I don't get that. I, I just don't get that from. You know, I think golf's in a really good place, and it's almost like when they, the the powers that be start talking about things like that, it's kind of poking the bear as far as far as I'm concerned. But I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Well, a, a couple of things. I'll just start there. <clears throat> the powers that be, I think they get bored sometimes, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they see something and they don't like the way it looks, uh, and, and it's been going on forever. It, at one point, Sam Snead showed up. To, to play the Masters and and uh, late in his career, I man, he would putt side saddle. Right. He he had a putter, uh, and I've actually seen this. A uh, ping manufactured one, maybe uh, maybe somebody else did, it, where the where the shaft wasn't straight. It was like a big curved shaft with a grip on the top and the putter down the bottom, and he would straddle the line and and you know hold it hold the the, the shaft in the middle and then anchor it up at the top and. And, and and roll the golf ball, you know, from just straddling the line straight down with a with this you know, shaft that looked like a bit more than like a bow. Yeah. And and um, uh, my, I'm friendly with Tad Moore, who's actually a human being, along with being a great golf club designer that was famous for years and years and years for doing wonderful putters and irons and other stuff. But um, he has an amazing putter collection. He was telling me about this, and he, ha he has two of them. Who knows how much they're worth? But they were manufactured by Ping, but what I heard was Bobby Jones didn't like the way it looked uh, when he showed up to play practice round at Augusta. <clears throat> so they, they changed the rule. The putter has to be straight and then you can't straddle the line and all of that. And, you know, guys uh, and ladies, they, 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 they figure it out, but it's, it's just, it's always a cat and mouse game. And it's, it's part of golf is to innovate, to try and figure out new ways to get it done. The manufacturers help because they want to make money on the players, you know, want to play better golf and all that stuff. But but the problem is is once you've let the cat out of the bag, the cat don't want to go back in the bag. Right. And trying to put the cat back in the bag gets really messy. And in golf, it involves companies and lawyers and hurt feelings and all this sort of stuff. And by and large, what I've discovered is you go through this great big exercise. The lawyers make a lot of money. Everybody gets upset. The manufacturers have to spend more money and resources and time looking for workarounds. The players have to, to, to figure things out and working with the manufacturers. And at the, at the end of the day, everybody goes through this and nothing really changes. Uh, they did that uh, with it, with it, the, when they decided to change grooving, it's been about 15 years ago. Right. And, and um, you know, I, I don't like square grooves. So we're going to go to V grooves. Well, the, the verdict on that was, 
after about three years of, of blood, sweat, and tears and money, it ended up, in fact, helping a lot of players because a lot of players are overspending their wedges so much they, they couldn't get them to hold on the greens. And when they change the grooves, they end up being better wedge players. Mm-hmm. And and um, <clears throat> the manufacturers share a lot of what they know with the governing bodies, but they don't share everything they know with the governing bodies. <laughs> and and uh, so it ends up just being messy, you know, and, and, and it, it's just – in a perfect world, you could get in a time machine and go back and say, "Hey, we're not going to let drivers get but so big. We're not we're not going to let golf balls get but so fast." But trying to retrofit everything doesn't really make any sense. In particular, when the only people I hear hollering about it are a very, very, very small but vocal minority of the golfers, right. and and um, I it, it just doesn't you know it just doesn't. It's just not going to work. And and there, there's people that have real strong feelings. Like I've talked to Jack Nicholas about it a lot, and he's adamant about it. He's like, it's the ball, just roll the ball back. And and in theory, that sounds great. And I love Mr. Nicholas, and uh, he's my hero. But Mr. Nicholas, when you start doing this, there are going to be lawyers showing up everywhere, and, and yeah. it's going to be hard to do. So it, and, and I agree, there's really – other than trying to satisfy some of the, you know, I'll affectionately call them the, you know, the golf geeks, uh, it, it's really not going to do anything for anybody. And we'll come up with workarounds or whatever rules they change anyway. Yeah. How tall are you, Charlie? Are you six four? Uh, I'm a little over six four. Yeah. And I'm just yeah, at... a little over, and a little over 180. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple digits on that one, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm I'm a little over six foot, and I don't know as I could go with a shorter driver. And somebody that's your size, you're four inches taller than I am. That might be difficult for you. You know, I know you could. Well, here, here's yeah, here's here's the deal on that. Um, I, I believe, and I hadn't really looked it up because I've been busy barbecuing. But from what I know about it. <laughs> They, they they've they've said there's a local rule that can be implemented where a maximum driver length is going to be 46 inches, and it doesn't necessarily I'm going to use the word discriminate although it may not exactly apply here but it doesn't really discriminate against a short player versus a tall player. What it what what it does is it discriminates against someone who who is uh, has a shorter swing that maybe hits the ball. Versus uh, someone who has a longer swing mm-hmm. that swings the club, you know. You, you see yeah. what I did there. There's yep. there's people like a John Rom that hit the ball. Well, he's probably not using a 44 inch driver. And then there's people like Phil Mickelson who swing the club, and he and he wants to go to a 48 inch driver. Uh, John Rom couldn't use. Doesn't matter how tall he is. With his swing, he couldn't use a 48-inch driver. And Phil Mickelson, with his swing, with a 43-inch driver, is going to give up a lot of distance. We're going to take a break here. We're going to be back with Charlie Reimer. Don't be surprised if we talk more barbecue coming up right after this. Yeah. Hey, it's JT. And this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Hey, welcome back to, uh, what are we talking here? No, golf today. Charlie wants to talk barbecue, and we will here in a minute, but uh, we're talking golf. Um, like to thank the folks again at Painted Hills Natural Beef 
and also the folks at um, Ben Hogan Golf, Scott White and his crew down there, and the people up at Gunter Wilhelm Knives. Uh, they're up there in New Jersey, but uh, they make a great knife. They come in from Germany, GunterWilhelm.com. Check that out. So, Charlie, how's your golf game? Yes. I know I've been watching you on your show. That's why. I, and what the hell were you doing screwing around with an alligator? <laughs> uh, well, I'd much rather talk barbecue than my golf game because it stinks right now. <laughs> Although I did, I did actually play pretty good the other day. I've, I've had, um, uh, you know, this getting old stuff is serious. I'm 53, and uh, my darn uh, right hip stays locked up about half the time, and 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 it's hard to make a backswing when your right hip doesn't want to move very far. But right. uh, I, I got it, got it greased up the other day, I guess, and uh, <laughs> went out and played played some pretty decent golf. Made a nice eagle. You don't make many of those when you're over fifty, but some days I just go out some days and it's just. Um, you know, just the body doesn't it doesn't work. It's like, yep. hey, we're we're just gonna drive around and slap a few and listen to music and and uh, that's that's fine. And then, you know, the one day where uh, all right, I make a few swings and that that feels good. I can have a little bit of rhythm and hit a few. You know, that's that's sort of fun. That's I call that my flashback day. The problem is uh, those those flashback days uh, don't come as frequently <laughs> as I would would hope they would. But um, no, the the alligator thing was. Um, um, I, I, there, there's a, here in Myrtle beach up in North Myrtle beach at, at uh, barefoot landing, which is a wonderful place. If you're in the area for restaurants and retail and all that sort of stuff, there's a, there's a, uh, um, Oh, what do you call the, the, um, like a nature park or something? Blues. No, no, no. The uh, blues, uh, what's the, where they are house of blues. I, okay. I'm drawing a blank on how there's a house of blues there. There's all that sort of stuff. But, Right beside House of Blues, there, there's a wonderful, I'm going to call it a zoo. It's called Alligator Adventure. And you drive by, it doesn't look that big, but you go in there, and, and the, the family that owns that whole, the, the Barefoot Resort and some of the original developers there, they, they have that place. And they've got one of the finest collections of reptiles in the world. And they got quite a few other critters in there, too. And and uh, like Galapagos turtles and all that. You never lived until you fed a Galapagos turtle a, a head of cabbage. Let's say you let me eat a head of cabbage, and then they'll let you pet them on the head like a golden retriever. But they they have. Um, uh, I, I've asked them. I said, "What happens if a Cat Five comes through here and all these uh, you know gators and crocs get out?" They're going, "No, we're 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 good." But I, I'm like. Well, I, I will not be around here if a bad <laughs> storm comes through because they, they've got crocodiles in there, certain species that are like um, right at 20 feet. But it's like every caiman and Chinese croc and they've got white crocs and alligators and Nile crocs and all this stuff. But the, the thing they have is really cool that I went in the cage with. They claim it's the largest living reptile on the planet. And I believe that the crocodile's name is Yutan. Uh, and uh, they got it from uh, like Indonesia, like around 1974, and it's a hybrid crocodile. I, I can't remember the exact mix, but it was like between a, you know, like a Nile crocodile and a Asian saltwater crocodile. Which um, they 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 when they hybridize it, it grows like super fast and super big. And I guess they, I don't know if they still do it or not, but they were doing it at the time, so they would grow bigger and faster, and they get more skin for. Boots. you know, for shoes and fancy bags and all that. But they rescued this one and Utan is in there and I and I go in there uh inside the cage with uh um 
a couple of camera guys and the and the trainer and the trainer's got three skinned seven pound rabbits and uh, that's what Utan eats three and he eats them uh, like on Tuesday that's when he eats them he eats once a week and I'm thinking he's just going to throw them down and you know in front of the the, the big crock and you know the crock will just you know nibble it off the ground but he walked in there and that crock starts raising up. And he keeps raising it up, and he keeps raising it up, and all of a sudden he's like, it looked like ten feet up in the air, you know, like a big, you know, jacked up uh, pickup truck. And I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing in here? And uh, then the guy, because the guy does it, he he dangles them in front because they want him to get a little exercise, you know. Yeah. And the guy's like, uh, he's like, whatever you do, don't get between the crock and the water. And I'm like, yes, sir. And and he goes, and if I say get out, get out, and I'm like, I understand. <laughs> and uh, so he starts like moving around. It's like Jurassic Park. You remember when the yep. T Rex was yep. coming after the kids, and it was like boom, boom, and yep. the you know the the little coffee cup was you know you could see the water moving, and it was yep. like that. And and uh, and it, I'm telling you what, it got me fired up. But I I did what I needed to do for the shoot, and then I got I'll tell you I got out of that cage quicker than the camera guys did afterwards. But that thing is two thousand pounds. Holy and uh, they're just an amazing animal. And and but gigantic the head on it's unbelievable. I've you know it's like like the big imagine the biggest alligator you've ever seen in the world times like three. And that's what that's what yeah. that that uh, that crocodile is. But it's right there in Alligator Adventure in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's really really cool place if you forget a chance to go there. Well, I saw you holding the little one right at the end of the show. You Yeah. You, but I mean that That's one my size. That one would only maybe you might lose a finger or something if you got crazy with well, it. Well what I did was I picked that one out because he he fit just perfectly on that on that um um timberline Traeger yeah. 1300 grill I was telling you about. You know, you put a little bit, of, you know, a little bit of that mix of oak and hickory in there. You know, you just gut them up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he was good coming off of there. Had to curl up the toe a little bit. Oh yeah, so well. that's why I picked him out. Yeah, he was he was uh, perfect for that Timberline 1300. I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but about a year ago, um, because we we were right in the middle of the COVID deal and all that. And I was snooping around one day for crazy things to bring up in one of the shows. And there was a guy smoking a camel. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like maybe a buffalo, you know, like a North a American. Camel. A whole camel. Like a, a two hump, three hump camel? It was a single humper. Because I don't think he could get wow. a two humper in this cooker he built. But he built a cooker and he rolled this thing in on a cart. It was an all metal cart. And I thought... Hmm. Now, just how in the world is that going to work? And then, of course, you know, little time-lapse photography and stuff, and he rolls that thing out there. And this looks like the world's biggest, like, perfectly cooked chicken. Skin golden brown wow. and all this. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, no pun intended, but I'm pretty gamey on cooking stuff. But I'm not sure I'd tackle a camel. I just don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that hungry. Yeah. Camel. Uh, <laughs> I've been over to Morocco a couple of times, and and both times we were guests of the royal family, and um, uh, the royal family would have uh, like there's like a black tie affair, right? And then uh, during the day they'd have what they call a typical Moroccan lunch, and it was like an Indiana Jones movie, you know, with like the the monkey heads and all right, that. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not eating monkey brains. But that's about as exotic as I've ever seen. They, they would bring out um, these giant platters and take two people to carry the platters. 
and they had these big long horns, you know, like thirty foot long, you know, like yep. a bugle looking yep. thing. Yep. And there would be three three people lined up with that, and they would line up, and they'd give it a da 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 da, 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 da and then all the food would come running in on these big platters with the big dome covers, and it go right on your plate. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, but. There, there was some sort of brain in there. I don't know what it was, but I didn't see any camel. I think they ride them over there instead of eat them. <clears throat> well, I was in Saudi Arabia, and uh, I should uh, this this story will take too too long to put it in the show. But I will tell you that I ate some stuff in Saudi Arabia that I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something else, and yeah. not only to my surprise, but to my stress level when they told me what it really was. Um, uh, and like I said, I'm pretty gamey. I'll try anything, but this, I only tried once, put it that way. Yeah. But the, the one, yeah. the one thing I did learn to love over there was the baklava that the Lebanese bakers make. Well, I bet you know, that'd be good. Yeah. Oh man. I ate that stuff for 10 days when I was over there. Whew. It was, yeah, yeah, that was good. That yeah, was kind of my my in, salvation. What, what I liked in Morocco, the couscous in Morocco was phenomenal. Yeah. Do they cook with a lot yeah. of saffron in that? They do in Saudi Arabia. They cook with a lot of saffron. So everybody's yeah, they, got a little sweet smell. They would, uh, they had, they would do that. And then there was, I found out like a chili paste, a Moroccan chili paste that was uh, sort of tasted very Asian. I, I like hot stuff. It was yeah. very good. And and you you actually find it in stores here. But um, I'd never had that until the last time I was in Morocco. But that was really good on on rice or couscous or chicken yep. or anything like that. But the Moroccan food I I found to be pretty tasty. I, I'm not a big curry fan. I'd stay away from the curries. But other than that, I I really liked it. Charlie and I are going to take a break, step away <laughs> for a minute, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Today, we're talking with... Our good buddy, Charlie Reimer, who's doing really well with his show on CBS Sports Network, uh, the Charlie Reimer Show. And, uh, I, you know, it comes on out on my part of the net, uh, country, Charlie, I think like on Tuesday or Wednesday nights out here. Yeah. And um, it's really good. Anyway, speaking of good stuff, here's our buddy Bruce Furman with your golf tip of the week. Hi, this is Bruce Furman from Langan Farms Golf club and uh, i'm the director of instruction there and i'm going to give you a little tip today i'm going to talk about uh number one fundamental in golf and that's to know where the beer cart is at all times no not really it's hit the percussion point or hit the sweet spot on the golf club and that's not easy you got to have a good golf swing to do that but using launch monitors like a track man or those different launch monitors we found that you really lose a lot of speed when you miss the percussion point or the sweet spot. So, for example, if you hit it low on your golf club, on your driver, low on the heel will lose almost 9 miles per hour, low in the middle, 7, low on the toe, lose 8 miles per hour, and even in the middle, but you hit the heel or the toe, you're going to lose 4 four to 3 miles per hour. So 
hitting that sweet spot if you need more distance is really important. And one thing you can do to kind of tell where you're hitting it, if you can't tell just by hitting the, sh the shot and feeling it, is to use some foot powder that's, that's used for, for like uh, athlete's foot, something like tenactin or lamisil, and spray that on your clubs. And then when you hit the ball, it'll leave a mark on your club face and you'll be able to tell where it is. And just by focusing on hitting the sweet spot and trying to hit the sweet spot more, I think you can do it better and you'll get more distance. Hope that helps you. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can find out more about Bruce Berman and his uh, instruction. Just go to Langdon Farms and click on the instruction part and you'll see a picture of him. And Bruce has been a top 100 teacher of the year from Golf Digest many times. So it's it's all good. Now let's get back and talk some more with Charlie. Um, one one quick thing uh, to get into the weeds, because this is a shorter segment and we'll cover some more of this when we get into the after hours. But uh, you were talking about Phil and the way he swings and stuff. You know, the, the armchair Monday morning quarterbacks got after him from last week because that ball moved on the pine straw. I watched the whole thing. I don't think he had anything to do with it. Uh, it just rolled. Um, he was standing there, and he was a good two feet away from the ball, and his brother was on the other side. Uh, he had cleaned off a couple pine cones, but the immediate reaction was nothing. And then, you know, a minute later, the ball moves. So uh, you and I talked about this before on the show, Charlie, but I think that's where we, you know, I'm glad that the PGA and stuff isn't taking phone-in complaints anymore, but I just wish people would, look, if you're not there and you're not right in the, involved in it, keep quiet. That's my my view. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, there's always people that are, that are just looking for rules violations, and, and um, you know, all my years of at first being a member of the tour and then, and then uh, broadcasting, uh, being in television for 25 years, you know, almost day to day. I never knew what that number was. I don't know how in the hell people found a number to dial in. That's what, that's what, that's what always got me. Now, now I, I've got friends that are rules officials and I knew how to contact them, but I, 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 I don't know what, you know, was it 1-800, you know, catch a cheater. So I, I, I could never figure out where that number is from, but, but yeah, imagine whatever anybody that's listening to this, it does for a living if there were um uh, telescopic high definition cameras that from a mile away could see everything that you do or say you know all day long and it's up to scrutiny to uh, uh, an audience of a million people somebody's gonna find something wrong you know so sure. that's, that's what it feels like when 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 you're out there playing when those cameras are around um for the top players at least and and that's that's one of the things I always thought was an issue, the top players are under a lot more scrutiny than, than anybody else because all those cameras, they're either not there or not on when the vast majority of players come through. So that that's a little bit of a unfair situation. But I, I remember a playoff in the Women's U.S. Open a few years ago where they found, like, in the backswing, one of the players, uh, it seems like it might have been Suzanne Pedersen, uh, in, her, in her backswing, like there was, like, three grains of sand that moved on the backside of the club, and they ended up calling it in a like, are you kidding me? You know, there's no way that a reasonable person could have felt or seen and ha or had any other way to know that three gra grains of sand moved in the backsling. You know, it ended yep. up impacting that championship. And so they've, they've changed that rule around. Unless it's like 
as, as I understand, unless it's just a real obvious, they caught somebody flat out cheating, then then they're not gonna get, gonna go to those cameras. And the situation with Phil, I think um, the people that are whining about it are just they're just looking for something to whine about. Uh, Charlie is gonna stick around for after hours. Thanks for being on the regular show, my friend, and join us again next week for another edition of Grilling at the Green. And take care, everybody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.